What you're about to hear is an interview with a friend and collaborator, Luke Reese. Luke is the artistic director of Toronto theatre company Little Black Afro, and this month they'll be remounting the work that they took to the Hamilton, Ontario Fringe Festival in 2014. So, allow Luke to let you into the theatre creator's mind a little. Don't worry, you'll find your way back out. Cool. Cool. Well, this is Ross Hammond with House of Rebels Theatre, sitting down with Luke Reese of Little Black Afro. Yeah, yeah. A local (laughs) Toronto famous. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Well, thank you for joining me, Luke. And thanks for having me. It's a beautiful day. There's sun coming in the windows. I love it. (laughs) This is so lovely that we can just kind of sit down and chat. (laughs) There's sunlight. Oh, my God. Nice temperature. Okay. So lovely. Tell me about Carbon. It's in its third iteration now, Woo! going from, I believe it started at Playground, to... It's like, the the poetry... I don't even know. So this, this kind of group of people started at Playground, because most of the people who were involved with uh, Slam that was, Slammed that was in Playground are now also in Carbon. Playground being... <clears throat> oh, the Playground Festival from... at York University. That would have been uh, 20... 2013, that February 2013. I know. Um, and I'd already been thinking about poetry and performance and poetry and theater. I'd been working with the Hamilton Youth Poets when I was in the Hamilton Fringe the year before, and they were so cool, and I, and I liked writing poetry, but I took a break from it because I wasn't sure where that fit with my new theatrical life, and then seeing like poetry performance, which has been around for so long, but I just missed it completely. <laughs> Um, and then I just fell in love. And then I was going out to slams, and I was writing, and I was performing, and I was like, I want to do this and theater at the same time. So I was already in that mindset, and then when I saw uh, Steph Gundert's uh, proposal for Slammed, um, I was like, oh my god, I want to be part of this show. And while working on that show was kind of planning out Carbon, which was then uh, Carbon Copies, and brought the same people on board for this show, which was similar to Slammed in the sense that there was still poetry and performance on a stage, but different because we wanted to put more of a narrative on it. There were scenes in between. There was dialogue in between these characters that happened that was missing from Slammed. Not necessarily missing, but that wasn't there. And uh, we also did some cool stuff with photos where in the writing process for Carbon Copies, we were responding to photographs that were taken by a couple of photographers we had that were inspired by early drafts of poetry. So it was like poetry to photos to poetry to the stage. It was Carbon Copies. Did it at the Hamilton Fringe 2013 that summer. Took a break from it. Or no, sorry, 2014. 14, yeah. 14. Um, took a break from it. But everybody who was a part of it knew that there was something more that to get out of that show. It wasn't quite there yet. It hadn't reached its potential. And although it was a it was a long and hard process because this was something new, we wanted to do it again and, and try to to not necessarily fix the mistakes, but learn from the mistakes. And be like, okay, well that happened. Mm-hmm. Now that we know we're working with poetry and performance, that we have to leave more time for this, for working with the poems and getting the poems on their feet. So I was like, let's do it again. And <laughs> in, uh, in a class at York, we were writing uh, these grant applications, theater management. We have to do an Ontario Arts Council grant. So I wrote a, a, like a 
grant for that class for mm-hmm. that show and then uh, after I graduated in uh, June of 2015 the August Ontario Arts Council grant deadline I was like well let's do this and uh, applied for the OAC grant for carbon and uh, we received funding thank you Ontario Arts Council for supporting the show uh, <clears throat> and we're at it again so we had a, a different layout when it came to the uh, the process and when we were spending time writing the poems, when were we going to say, okay, poems are done, we're up on our feet now, now we're performing these poems, when were we bringing designers in and making sure that everybody had a defined role mm-hmm. uh, going forward, just trying to really like take our time and give this piece the best possible chance at surviving out there in this world that's filled with indie theater and everyone's trying to do something new, mm-hmm. and that, which doesn't necessarily mean that it is new but it's fun and it's you know like what, what's our hook you know yeah people go and see poetry people go and th- see theater and there's a lot of theater that's happening now that is including poetry so what makes um ours special is what we were trying to find well, well that actually leads into my next question uh-huh. uh, and you've already sort of touched on it in the idea that yeah you were experimenting between theatricality and poetry i, mm-hmm. I feel like with your direction on Carbon this time around in its third iteration, that's what you're exploring a lot. How is this going to be different from going to a regular poetry jam uh, in the city of Toronto? <clears throat> All right. Well, um, when you go to a poetry slam, it's a competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, a poetry slam is a competition between uh, poetry performers, and there are judges, and there are specific rules. Your poem can't be over three minutes and ten seconds. The judges are picked at random. You get a score between 1 and 10. Uh, you can't use props. You can't use costumes. So we're eliminating the competitive factor in it. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're not setting time limits, time limits to the poems. We are using props and costumes. You know, taking those things from theater and trying to really enhance the theatricality of these poems where we're not overlooking the words but we're just trying to complement them with all of the things that we have to complement them Mm -hmm. is the is the random order going to be kept i think i saw yeah yeah so there is a this is a fairly new thing too just the last couple weeks but we had a set order We, we so we the poems were written a while ago they've been continuing to work on them as we've gotten them on their feet and what has been decided is that every night the poems will be performed in a different order. Mm-hmm. That order is going to be decided by the audience when they're there. Uh, in the program, there's going to be a list of the poem names and then numbers. And then I'm going to be negotiating between the poets and the audience and figuring out which one's going to happen next. While our lovely tech people, our stage manager, Caitlin Smith, uh, and our tech guy, Ian, um, figured out the cues because... Every night's different, yeah. <laughs> which which is fun for us. But, you know, I appreciate the work that our designers and that our production team has put into making sure that this does happen mm-hmm. because it's a lot more work on their end of things. Also on uh, Jordan Lafreniere, director, you know, figuring out how to make each piece able to stand alone. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on this piece coming before this piece. You, you don't have that. So. Each yeah. piece has to be strong enough to stand alone. So whatever order it comes in, it's still going to uh, hold up well and, and speak to the poet's work. Does it? Will every poem get covered over the course of the night? Or are there... I will make sure it does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's because um, <clears throat> we do, you know, we're not going to keep everybody there forever. Yeah. So setting the how long, like the running time for the show, which is, I don't know if anyone's keeping tabs on the Little Black Africa website, the running order has just increased, <laughs> or the running time, sorry. Um, from what originally when we had the just we had the poems and we're sitting there we're like oh we we only have like a like a sixty minute show here with all these poems and transitions, but now because the transitions are more extravagant and we have to we don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot. Yeah, more you don't know room. what you're transitioning to. Exactly. Not, not... So <laughs> uh, the piece is now going to be seventy five minutes long. You know, still an hour and fifteen. I and I like to see theater that's within the hour 15 and hour 30 mark. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like been my sweet spot the last couple months. So I'm glad that we're in my sweet, my personal sweet spot and hopefully other people do. Um, but yes, there's a random order and uh, I'm also uh, going to be in the show as yeah. the person who's hosting the night. Yeah. Uh, which was told to me a couple days ago. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like we're all on the same team. We're all trying to create this piece and we all wanted to to have the best life possible. So if that's what this piece needs, then I'm going to do it. You know? Cool. And I'm so, like, close to Little Black Afro that, like, I was going to be at every show anyways. Mm-hmm. The only difference is now I'm just going to be on the stage sometimes. <laughs> well, perfect. Um, right on. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about the uh, content of it, just touch on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, based only on what I can surmise from the trailer, yeah. which can be viewed online at littleblackafro.com. Um, when the performers are presenting like little snippets of their work, mm-hmm. uh, there seems to be a running theme of innocence yeah. being replaced through growing up. Is that an intentional decision? Are there other themes that might come <clears throat> into play during the run? Or? Well, yeah, it was, it was intentional, but also accidental at the same time. We wanted to give the writers and the poets uh, a prompt or a thesis when they've started writing, Mm -hmm. but then also allow them enough room to still write about things that they wanted to. So they didn't feel like, oh, I have to write about this because then you're not, then it's not coming from you. You know, it's not, it's forced. We didn't want the forced poetry. So uh, Devin Bain was our poetry dramaturg this time around. Last time I was kind of figuring out the poems and and where they were going to go and giving everybody prompts, but I left it up to Devin. Everybody kind of took on one role, and some of these roles are new. So I was strictly producer up until a couple of days ago. Now I'm also a performer. But um, uh, Devin, myself, Jordan, the friend of our director, Lucy Powell, so our script dramaturg, sat down and figured out, okay, like we need to give them a thesis going into this. And the thesis, the thesis was human connection Toronto today. <clears throat> so Devin took him in with that, and uh, they had collectively written 81 poems. We had a day where we all sat down and uh, Devin had picked the best, I think it was 30 of those 80, or the ones that she felt were in, were in not necessarily the best, but in the, the strongest at that time. They were ready to get to that next level. And we listened to all of them. And then Devin, Lucy, and Jordan sat down, and I was in the room as well, but more of a fly on the wall, uh, and picked poems that then had a... like an ongoing theme within them, Mm -hmm. right? And there was a lot of poems about childhood and growing up and puberty and coming of age. And it seemed like at that time, again, there was was also going to be a a clear line and clear order of the poems. So to keep our job simple and to not overcomplicate things, we're like, all right, 
we have all these poems about being a kid. Here are the kid poems, here are the puberty poems, then we're into late high school, and then here we are now. And that was going to be the progression. And seeing how these poets have changed, how their views on the world have changed through these different poems. And now they're no longer in that order. They're everywhere. And the mm -hmm. new thesis we have, um, which uh, part of it Jordan got from one of our postcard images where Kano's sitting on a swing and Charles is sitting there in the background. And it's these poets who have gathered at a playground to reimagine what it means to create and to be human. Mm. Um, a playground was always this image that we had. I don't think there was ever a moment where we sat down and we were like, yeah, a playground. Because the photo shoot and the trailer shoot where they're at a playground was something that I had imagine from you know hearing these like chil these children's stories and their, their poems and everything like that and then <clears throat> i mean out of that imagery i guess jordan's metaphor came but also the set that was designed uh by aaron um there's a lot of play in it there's a lot of room for like like each poem each scene has its own little setup its own little you know it's almost like Oh, okay, let's get ready for this. And you're building, and you're creating. So there was always this sense of play that was in there. So I thought, okay, let's go to a playground. Let's take some pictures. Let's shoot some trailers. Let's do this. It'll be fun. Mm -hmm. And then that's just, that's now kind of the driving force is play and creation, which is why we're playing with the audience. We're creating with the audience. The audience is creating with us. I know. Yeah. Very cool. Always changing. It's, <laughs> and leaving room. Yeah, I think... One thing, I, one thing we definitely learned is to allow more room for this kind of change because it's happening and we're like adjusting to make room for it. But yeah, always mm -hmm. make room. Always leave room for, for change. Yeah. Change is good. Very cool. Um, wanted to touch a little bit on Little Black Afro. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys are... You've got a long history of involving yourself with a variety of charities through the work yeah. that you're producing. Like with Carbon, you're putting together like a significant percentage of your ticket sales are going back towards Louder Than a Bomb. Yeah, Louder Than a Bomb is, Canada. Yeah. Uh, and like other shows that you've had in the past have linked thematically with uh, mm -hmm. certain charities uh, and other community outreach opportunities. Um, how does this philosophy of engagement reflect the philosophy of the either Little Black Afro as a whole or mm. the individual artists, whichever you can speak to. Yeah. Um, when we made this decision, it was the first time we, we gave to a charity was during uh, our first season, but not our first shows, mm -hmm. our second. We did a, in 2012 that winter, we did a, <clears throat> a double bill with like a children's holiday Christmas themed event during the day and then like a Christmas play for more uh, suited for adults that night. Mm. And we uh, had a toy drive for the CP24 uh, Chum Christmas Wish because I grew up listening to Chum FM and then I was like, okay, let's donate toys. So then uh, we had uh, a big event. There were arts and crafts for kids, pictures with Santa. People brought toys they donated. And then uh, we also had a bunch of food that was like left over and like a bunch of food and we're like let's donate it so then we brought it to the Eden Food Bank which is down the street from my house mm -hmm. and it was like you know we have the opportunity to bring all these people together why not use this to then get them to give something to the community mm -hmm. you know if we're gonna have all these people coming up to a show and giving us money 
well, then that's easy. We just take 10% and then we give it to, you know, rather than creating these shows that talked about things and touched on things, it was also becoming involved. The next yeah. the next time around was with the Mental Health Rights Coalition of Hamilton, where we did a play a little too close to home, which uh, dealt with uh, OCD and, and anxiety disorders. And rather than just be like, yeah, like we're going to make a play about mental illness, it was like, well, we're doing this show in Hamilton. There's a big community there that supports mm-hmm. mental health in Hamilton. Let's reach out to them. Let's do work with them. We volunteered. We helped plan uh, the first My, uh, Mad Pride Hamilton event. And after that, it was like, it just made sense. You yeah. know, it's like, if we can do that, why wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. So with Carbon now, <clears throat> with um, the Hamilton Youth Poets and Louder Than a Bomb Canada, uh, it's kind of... It's, it's almost two different things because the Hamilton Youth Poets we met when we first went to Hamilton and we donated to them. We did carbon copies in the 2014 Hamilton Festival. And since then, Nia Reed and the team at HYP have begun to create this event, Louder Than a Bomb Canada. Now, this event has been happening in the States for a while and two years ago, uh, Hype had their first one in, uh, in Canada, uh, in Hamilton. I went, it was a great time and it's been getting bigger and bigger. And they need more support. <clears throat> and now we have this relationship like, yeah, we're going to give you some support. If you want the money to go directly to Louder Than a Bomb Canada, then that's what it's going to go to. So specifically, the money we are donating is going to pay for tickets for high school students who may not be able to afford to attend the event. Hmm. Um, so when you're buying a ticket to Carbon, you're also buying somebody else a ticket to Louder Than a Bomb Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh which is something that's super awesome, and I think we're gonna we're gonna also have uh, a, just a donation jar there as well if people want <clears throat> to directly donate to uh, the Hamilton Youth Poets and Louder Than a Bomb Canada. That's going to be happening uh, in May in Hamilton. You can look them up if you Google Louder Than a Bomb Canada; it'll come right up. The Hamilton Youth Poets. Cool. Um, and I'll be there. I'll be helping with some volunteers and stuff like that too. You know, we like to also use our our energy and our as humans not just like giving them money because you know you can't just throw money at something but like mm-hmm. here, here's some money and also like really need an extra set of hands mm-hmm. um it's taking it that step further yeah but it also speaks uh, <clears throat> to the sort of the magic that there is to the engagement with people live on stage mm-hmm. that can also engage more locally with their community right which i think speaks a lot to the power of performance which Obviously, we're all for, um, yeah. especially within the indie theater scene. Yeah, yeah, it's like you know, you get you get a bunch of people in a room. You're there, you're engaging. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like it's not the same as going to see a movie. It's not the same as watching a TV ad of somebody being like, "Hey, like, why don't we do this? Why don't yeah. we step up for this? Why don't we fight for this?" Because like, there's real people in front of you, <clears throat> and it's like. You you want to help them. Yeah. You want to you want to be like yeah, like you know what? There's no screen between us. Yeah. I'm human. You're human. Let's Change. talk about this. Let's yeah. do this. Change starts at home, right? Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, Little Black Afro is also about to begin work on your ongoing emerging artist project. Yes. And 2016, you've doubled the commitment with two new mm-hmm. productions by uh, emerging Canadian artists and. Since uh, it's a shared passion of our two companies to promote the voices of emerging Canadian voices, mm-hmm. um, why is it so important to make sure that these creators are visible in the current uh, theatrical landscape? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's important because sometimes people just need a little boost 
or a little step um, to get them seen or to get them into the community um, in order for them to have that confidence to then go on then and do it themselves. That's what happened to me. I was lucky enough where I had a lot of support and a lot of people behind me where when I started Little Black Afro, there were people there who were encouraging my voice. There were high school teachers. There were people I was working with at a theater camp. And they were kind of that support system for me to be like, yeah, you can do this. We're going to give you a little bit of help. Go. And then I just took off and I was like, yeah. And then the first time we did the Emerging Artist Project, I, I realized that I had the power to do that for somebody else. That I have the power <clears throat> through connections I've made and developing a little black Afro name that I can then take some people who may not know what the first step is or may just need, like, have it all in their head but just need that, like, someone to be on their butt and be like, do this now. I'm holding you accountable. Like, even just having somebody to hold you accountable for your work mm -hmm. can make that difference. Like, uh, one of our artists, Camila Diaz-Varela, for Emerging Artists this year, is out there doing work. She's performing. She's wonderful. But, you know, for this piece... She kind of like she's in a place where she needs that extra boost to be like, okay, we're gonna give you these resources that we have. We're gonna hold you accountable. We're gonna set you deadlines, and and that to her is what she needs to to make this piece mm -hmm. grow. Um, and that's why it's important. Someone did it for me. Many people have done that for me, and now it's returning the favor. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, karma, yeah. <laughs> good karma, and to uh, uh, treat others. Paying it forward, paying it forward. Uh, yeah. You know, it's you know, it's it just makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, if I can rent a space for somebody else, I was also not getting tired of doing my own work through Little Black Afro. But it's like I can do my own work other places. Mm -hmm. I don't need Little Black Afro isn't a platform for me. It's a platform for others. Mm. It's a platform where I can provide resources for others along with the help of the amazing artists that have kind of come become a part of Little Black Afro, whether it's Stepper Pose, our technical director, our amazing tag team of uh, Caesar and Erica on the pro promo design photos, you know, all these people coming together and just killing it. Cool. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, can you tell us even just like a little bit about the upcoming work within the Emerging Artists Project? Yeah. Um, something that's different this year that, that is... Uh, direct response from learning the last two years we've done the Emerging Artist Project is that <clears throat> we're not saying that this show has to be one thing or another. We're not putting pressure on it to be a full production, to have all of these shiny things that we might think a show needs to have mm -hmm. at this point in time. This year, it's more about these artists. It's about Saba. It's about Camila. It's about what they want to create in the time that we have and what we can do to the best of our ability to make that happen. Yeah. Whether it's just being able to fund dramaturgy sessions and have a, have a reading. Whether it's just getting an early draft, getting some musicians together and giving them a space where they can jam. Um, <clears throat> so when we, when we present them in June, it's going to be less of a buy our tickets online, come see this like 90 minute piece and more of an informal fun night where a bunch of people get together and we present that the stuff they've been working on. Hmm. Um, that way it's a little bit more relaxed, mm -hmm. not only for the artists, but also on Little Black Afro's end where we're, we're coming off of Carbon, which is 
taking a lot of our energy, a lot of our resources. And rather than try to rush into something else, we're sitting back and we're like, all right, let's, let's work here. We're artists. What do you need? Do you mm-hmm. need to go and see a show that's kind of like what you're working on to get a better idea? Because we will pay for your tickets to see that show. It's yeah. like those little things that, that make a difference. That's what, that's what EAP is about this year. So in June, the second weekend of June yet to be uh, confirmed, uh, there's going to be four nights, and there's going to be a reading, and there's going to be a performance, and it's going to be probably the chillest, coolest thing Little Black Afro has ever done. Um, in terms of Eep and mm-hmm. just like being a night of fun, a night of art. So I'm I'm really excited about it. Very cool. Yeah. Right on. Well, <coughs> we can't wait to hear more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right on. Well, carbon copies, not carbon copies. Carbon now. We, it returns we, as carbon. We we dropped the copies. We're more mature. It's Ooh. like when you lose like your baby teeth. Mm. We <laughs> well also. Um, Going into the like, carbon copies last time was specific to the photography element of the piece, mm. um, which has not necessarily been like removed entirely, but it's just it's not it's not like a focus. We're not like oh like let's look at pictures, but pictures the visual visuals are always important when you're mm-hmm. creating uh, a visual performance. Um, <clears throat> and apparently, there's a scene where there's a little bit of a throwback to carbon copies. Says Jordan, so I'm excited for that. Exciting, but. Um, Carbon and that element being in um, literally the most abundant element in the universe, being a part of uh, all organic materials. And when we went into this with the thesis about being connected and being human, about creating, carbon is always there. Carbon is a part of all of us. That's one thing that we can all, you know, when we really break it down, it's carbon. Um, Hence our little uh, tagline, it's a part of all of us. So come be a part of Carbon. Very cool. Well, Carbon runs at uh, the Aki Studio Theater Ooh. from the 16th of March to the 19th of yeah. March. Uh, you can get tickets at littleblackafro.com. Please do. And see just all kinds of amazing information and read up about so much exciting theater that's coming. Have you got anything else you wanted to say? Um, look out for us in the fall with uh, a new kind of company that's emerging. We're doing a co-pro with them uh, with a very exciting piece. So uh, that's already in the works. Very exciting, very cryptic. Yeah. And some some would say spooky. (laughs) Thank you so much, Luke. No problem. That was my interview with Luke. And I wish that I didn't have to stop it there. Luke and the entire team of Carbon are such passionate creators that I promise you won't want to miss their work. To hear more exciting work in both interviews and on our ever-expanding library of radio drama written and produced by the new voices of Canadian theatre, be sure to visit rebelstheatre.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and like us on Facebook to make sure you never miss the newest work by exciting artists. Thank you, and keep creating.